I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth Admission. San Francisco just hit a big milestone. We turned orange. No, not the apocalyptic skies of a few weeks ago. We hit orange on the state's color-coded COVID-19 re-entry plan, the second-to-best color there is. That meant a go-ahead from the county health department to reopen indoor restaurants and churches at 25% capacity. Food reporter Justin Phillips is here to discuss what indoor dining will mean for the struggling restaurant industry. And then we'll hear from Nora Mashanik on what the first day back for indoor church looked like. First, here's Justin. Justin Phillips, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So today is a big day in the food world in San Francisco. Um, people are allowed to eat inside restaurants. <laughs> Crazy. Such, such a big deal. <laughs> the things we used to take for granted. I'm telling you. Yeah. So um, tell me what the new indoor dining rules are like. What can people expect when they go to a restaurant in San Francisco? All right. So it's going to be weird. Like there, there's no... Everything's weird there's now. No, <laughs> oh, I'm telling you. There's no way around this one. Like I know people have been really looking forward to it, but it's going to be strange. Uh, capacity is going to be limited uh, to 25% or 100 people, like whichever is fewer. Um they're also, I mean, and there's a lot of rules that the city has laid out too that just make it uh, harder or, or make it easier to keep the spaces safe. Like they're going to be less things on tables. Um, when a diner comes up to a restaurant, they're going to have their, you know, places are going to check their temperatures. They're going to have health survey questions that they, that they have to answer mm. that are related to, um, you know, COVID-19 symptoms and exposure. Uh, and then, you know, sometimes they might have to seat themselves like the, the city is encouraging restaurants to, um, you know, maybe even number tables. So you don't have to like guide diners there. Uh -huh. Um, it's just going to be really, really controlled a lot smaller. Um, yeah, it's just, it, and, and also when you're eating, so this thing, uh, it's, I know restaurants have had to deal with this, uh, with diners outside about like when you're supposed to have on your mask, right. how you're supposed to, you know, use that. Inside, the rules are clear. You keep your mask on whenever you're um, you're not eating or drinking something. Okay. A serve a server will uh, a server will not approach your table unless your group has their mask on. So you have to be. Uh, they're not playing around. Like it's very <laughs> very very serious inside for sure. Do you think it'll be stricter than the masks outside? Because most people just take them off for the whole meal outside. It seems like. I'm telling you, I think I think there's something about like the wind and yeah. like nice weather days that make people more relaxed. And then you mix in like a couple of glasses of wine <laughs> or something outside and, you know, people haven't caught up. So I definitely think inside is going to be uh, they they have to be strict because yeah. if this if this fails, um, if this doesn't work, it's going to be a setback for all of us. But especially the restaurant industry that's barely hanging on as is. So right. they need this to work. Do you have any idea the percentage of restaurants in San Francisco that have closed because of this pandemic? Oh, I'm not really sure. It's been a lot, though. Yeah. So the city has, you know, a couple of thousand restaurants. And I know through the first couple of months we had like, you know, uh, permanent closures of Maybe it was like 300 or so. Mm -hmm. We're also thinking of neighborhood spots that, you know, you don't find out until a couple of days, a couple of weeks after it's happened that they've closed. I mean, it's going to be really hard to. And then if you go by Yelp, um, the closures on that list, it's really hard to tell because they might not be accurate. Yeah. Um, so we won't know for like a couple of months, but it's it's been a devastating toll for sure. So this new announcement is really a lot of business owners are kind of their fate hinges on whether this goes well. 
I think you could say that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, I think part of it, too, is anything is better than nothing. Yeah. Right? Like, they've already survived. They A lot of these places have survived, you know, the pandemic, the early parts of the pandemic, figuring out what that was going to be like, delivery and takeout only, figuring out how that was going to work, uh, smoke-choked air, basically, from wildfires and, you know, not having outdoor service. And now that they, you know, now that they see a little bit of something that feels familiar, feels kind of normal, I think, it, I think it gives them hope. Now, as far as, like, you know, how much business they'll make off indoor dining, it's not going to be a ton just because it's 25%. But, you know, it goes back to that um, something's better than nothing. Yeah, kind of it's thing. a way to hang on until things get back to semi-normal, whatever that was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you talked to some restaurant owners today, and what were they saying? Are they in good spirits? Are they concerned? What was the general theme from what you're hearing? They seem to be in good spirits. Like, uh, you know, I even checked with them with some last night who were gearing up for all of this. And, you know, they... Obviously, they've kind of trained for this in certain ways, because if they were very serious about outdoor dining, they're used to being like the quote unquote mask police and making sure that people are adhering to the to the protocols that they have in place. So they've been kind of training for it. Inside's a little bit different. Uh, also, I thought, I thought this was curious. There are a lot of restaurant owners who didn't know that it was going to be happening on Wednesday. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. And so they... Um, I told them, they're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, we're definitely, you know, we're definitely <laughs> going to try it. And so, um, you know, in a couple of places are taking a day because I think they have, uh, you know, they have to put up like uh, posters about the mask and things like that, mm -hmm. that are just part of the process. But, um, but yeah, no, they seemed, yeah, they seemed excited. They seemed hopeful. And it's, you know, it's one of those rare moments where it's like, all right, man, like, Maybe, maybe something will get back to normal at some point eventually. Yeah. And are you finding that a lot of restaurants are going to do indoor and outdoor? Because people are kind of getting into the groove of outdoor dining and all these parklets are popping up in parking spaces, which are awesome. And a lot of people, uh, business owners are decorating them in really cool ways. So do you think that will continue? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I, I absolutely think so. Because you have to think of like the uh, the return on investment, I guess. So if a restaurant has had to build a parklet, you know, they had to buy the materials for that, cost a couple of thousand dollars. People are starting to get used to it. Great. They only have like five seats available inside. So it's like, do they shift their focus to that? Nah. And are they sure that everyone's going to be comfortable with dining inside? Probably not. And while we have good weather, I think, um, you know, as God, good weather, <laughs> as good as the weather can be these days, yeah. I think they're just going to kind of stick with, with out, outside service. So the, I think there are going to be a lot of places that offer both, but they're not going to shed a tear if you're like, I'll sit outside instead of inside. Yeah, at least you're there. Um, right. And you personally, as um, someone who writes for our food section and is out um, at restaurants, or at least you used to be <laughs> out at restaurants a lot, um, what is your personal feeling about eating out? Are you doing more takeout, more outdoor dining? Will you try indoor dining? Where? What are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, I mean, any way to support, I'm definitely a, uh, a takeout person. I still feel very anxious. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like, I actually, uh, I went and had a meal with um, with our restaurant critic recently. Um, and, you know, it is, you have, you have to make, you have to make the decision, right, to go out to eat and know that they're like, and out and outside at some of these restaurants, like, you know, there might not be as much order as you might prefer, mm -hmm. because they're all figuring out on the fly, right? So if you're okay with that, and you're also okay with being around people, then it's all good. I, 
for one, am very much the type to like play it extremely safe, almost too safe. So I try to like avoid crowds and like crowded restaurants. Um, so I don't imagine that I'll be going to dine inside any place anytime soon, just because outdoor eating is an option or ordering something, walking away, finding a park or something like that is still an option. Um, and I haven't, I haven't found myself, you know, missing that indoor experience so much where I have to go back to it. So, uh, I might wait, but you know, it's all about everyone's comfort level and, you know, these restaurants are going to try really hard and do everything they can. As long as diners follow the rules, it, it's, it should be a good situation for everybody. And you know, if it's your thing, then go for it. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm, I've done outdoor dining a couple of times and have enjoyed that, but I think it's going to be a while for me on the indoor front. Yep. 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 But I like the park idea. That's a good one. Take it to the nearby park. (laughs) That's it. I'm telling you, especially if you're in the city or something and, you know, you got something that's portable, let's say a burrito, not like you're going to eat. Especially if the skies are not orange or filled with smoke, take it to the park. (laughs) If it doesn't look like a uh, scene from, I don't know. Blade Runner. Blade (laughs) Runner or Star Wars, then definitely go find the park. Yeah. The weather's nice. Take advantage. You heard it here first. There you go. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. It was fun to talk to you. Of course. It was great catching up. We'll be right back with Nora Mechanic, who spent the day visiting churches, which are now allowed to open in San Francisco. Nora Mechanic, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So San Francisco just allowed churches, mosques, and synagogues and other places of worship to open. Um, but I understand that you um, went out and saw some of them, and they don't look like they normally would. So you went to St. Peter and Paul's in North Beach on Washington Square. Can you describe what you saw and kind of set the scene for us? So St. Peter and Paul's opened this morning for the first time, and I got there at 9 o'clock, and there were about nine people in the church at that time, and it, it didn't uh, didn't fluctuate too much after the service started. Everyone was spread out. Every third pew was blocked off, and so the uh, the parishioners were very spread out. I noticed a few things were were different. Um, there's hand sanitizer everywhere. The carpet was marked. Um, holy water was was drained and blocked off. So there was no real communal um, activities aside from uh, the communion. And mm-hmm. really the only time that the parishioners got close to one another and a little bit closer to the priest than maybe um, you would expect because he handed out the wafers. Mm-hmm. So I also attended another service this morning at St. Patrick's um, down on Mission, and and they, they still held their service outdoors. So I think uh, St. Peter and Paul's was not just unique among churches around the city, but maybe even unique among Catholic churches for holding its indoor service at the first opportunity. Okay. And how close did you see people getting when they were taking communion? Well, within arm's length distance in order Mm -hmm. to take the wafer from the priest. But um, the priest was wearing a mask at that point. So, um, so yeah. And the congregants were wearing masks as well? Yes. Everyone I saw was wearing masks um, and keeping their distance. It really seemed like these were people who had missed in-person mass. They wanted to take communion, and they seemed comforted by the return of these services. And I believe that the capacity allowed is 25%. Is that right? Churches are allowed 25% capacity. You can imagine some of these large spaces, um, for example, 
um, Saints Peter and Paul or um, St. Mary's. These are large spaces, so um, I suppose under that 25% capacity rule, they could have um, a, a hundreds of people, but the city has limited them to 100 congregants inside at all times, and that has gotten some pushback from the Archdiocese of, of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione has not liked any of the city rules regarding religious services since the pandemic started and has been quite outspoken about that. Um, and so he's still not happy with the current situation, right? He is not. He did not mince words yesterday after the city said it would allow indoor church gatherings um, and religious gatherings. He released a statement saying that this was unjust, and he said his campaign to increase the number of people allowed in religious spaces would continue. He created a petition really to push back on the city's rules for churches, and he said that that petition would continue um, because he, he does believe that churches are being treated unfairly. Hmm. Does he want things to go back to just the way they were before the pandemic, or is that his goal, or has he been clear about what his goal is? I think he really feels that religious spaces are on a different track than commercial spaces, and that Mm -hmm. leaders have really given a lot of attention to commercial spaces, um, restaurants, businesses. He pointed out the fact that malls and liquor stores were allowed to be more open than the churches um, and other religious spaces. So I think he really feels that this is an issue of justice. It's more on principle. Uh, He gave a, um, a speech actually during a demonstration last week, and he said that local officials are mocking God by holding, um, churches to a different standard. And I think he still feels that way based on the statement he released yesterday. Hmm, interesting. And of course, St. Peter and Paul was the site of an infamous illegal wedding a few months ago during which several attendees got the coronavirus. Did you see anything sketchy or out of place when you went today or were people behaving themselves? I think the parishioners were definitely behaving themselves. The church has, uh, has really not been happy being closed all these months. Um, You mentioned this infamous wedding that was (laughs) a super spreader. The bride and groom actually became infected. The city crashed the wedding and forced them to move it outside and sent a lot of guests home. So this has really been a contentious relationship between city of, you know, the city attorney and the leaders in the Catholic church, particularly at Saints Peter and Paul. I did notice this morning the priest was not wearing a mask while he gave um, while he gave mask. However, he did put one on when he went to offer communion. Hmm. You also found that a lot of church leaders um, in other parts of the city are not as eager to open up. Uh, why is that? That's true. I talked to the director of the city's interfaith council, Michael Pappas, and he told me that most religious spaces are reticent to reopen for two reasons. Uh, they're nervous about monitoring the behavior of their parishioners, making sure everyone is is staying distanced and following the regulations. And also, many churches ha- tend to have a congregation that skews older. And so they're worried about their congregants becoming infected because they are more vulnerable or tend to be more vulnerable because they're older. I spoke mm-hmm. to a coordinator 
at uh, the mosque down on, in the Tenderloin, Masjid Nur al-Islam. Um, I, t- I spoke to their coordinator, Jihad Morsi, and she told me that their prayer services will continue to occur on Zoom, even though they intend to have indoor services in person. She said, most people just aren't comfortable coming and attending prayers in person. So I think that they're pretty representative of many other religious organizations. They say that this virtual worship is going to continue for some time. Hmm. That's interesting. And overall, did it feel safe being inside a church today or did you feel a little wary? I felt safe. I think especially in a space the size of that cathedral, um, it's very open. I felt as though there was enough space in between where I was sitting and where other people were sitting. I didn't feel nervous being inside the church. But that being said, there were only nine of us. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not exactly certain what my personal threshold would be. But um, but it, there was actually a funny moment this morning. The communion wafers uh, were put out on the altar by an altar server. And at one point, he actually ran back to get more. And I spoke to him afterwards and he said, oh, I, I didn't, I hadn't put out enough, uh, which hmm. for the nine people present, which leads <laughs> me to wonder how many parishioners he was expecting this morning. Yeah, that's funny. Well, clearly it wasn't nine. Well, thank you so much for bringing us the story of the church. It's good to talk to you. Thanks so much, Heather. Thank you to Justin Phillips and Nora Mashanik for joining me today, to Karen Creighton for producing this episode, and to you for listening.